You can talk about film with a philosopher's zeal Or measure them all by box office appeal But for once in your life Be real! Hello there. It's just me, it's just Chance on this special episode of Be Real. Let me set the scene. It's about 9 in the a.m. here in Portland. I'm drinking my coffee. Last night, Noah Ballard and I. Have you heard of this guy? He's all right. Uh, we did our, our Mission Impossible episode where we discuss all six Mission Impossible movies. It was a lot of fun. The raw recording came in around two hours. We'll see how much I edit that down. Uh, and we didn't exactly spin out at the end, but it was pretty hard to keep track of what we were doing after two hours of podcasting with all fans and air conditioning off. So um, does it sound like I'm making excuses? Because that's not what I came here to do. What I came here to do is actually to uh, to plug and celebrate and give some shine to a conversation I had with film critic uh, Cheryl O about Mission Impossible Fallout, the sixth installment of this franchise. So we were thinking, of course like a traditional guest spot on our show that the it would come in around the time we talk about that movie. But the more we started to think about it, the more it felt sort of like inappropriate to put a guest interview, uh, you know, 90 minutes into a show where we'd already discussed five movies. And we thought what could be more fun because Cheryl and I actually end up talking about some things about Fallout, especially craft-wise and especially Ilsa Faust-wise, um, that we don't make it around to in the in the full show. So we thought... Why not deliver this one as kind of a prologue, kind of a, a standalone uh, interview to go with the big Mission Impossible? So that's what you're about to hear. I think my only advice would be to uh, check out Cheryl's cool work. You can find her on Twitter. And also to probably watch, go to YouTube and find the bathroom fight scene if you haven't seen this movie yet or if you need a refresher um, with Henry Cavill and Liang Yang and Tom Cruise. That's what we start this interview discussing because that's what she wrote about for Film School Rejects. I think that's all my advice. So yeah, keep it tuned. Enjoy this conversation uh, and get ready yourself and ready yourself for the more unwieldy behemoth of a conversation coming later this week. I've got some editing to do. Talk to you later. You can read our guest most every day on Film School Rejects where she blogs about casting news or dives into things why Zoe Deutsch is great or interviews people like uh, Tan Keng Hua about their shared home base of Singapore. Cheryl oh, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Today we're going to talk Mission Impossible Fallout. Like two weeks ago, you broke down in pretty cool detail um, about the, the bathroom fight scene in that movie. Uh, and it's shown, it was shown pretty extensively in the marketing for the movie. But just to get started for people who may not know, could you describe that scene really quickly and like generally what makes it so captivating? It's one of the most engaging sort of hand-to-hand combat sequences in Mission Impossible Fallout where um, Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill fight this supposed bad guy um, in a bathroom and kind of throws him around the room um, gets a few punches here and there, and it's one of the reasons it's so engaging is that um, it's not stagnant. You're always with these characters. You're always feeling like you're there in the room, experiencing those hits and feeling like you're being thrown around as well. Yeah. 
Did you have a favorite bit from either the um, studio binder breakdown or from a Macquarie interview or just from your own sort of uh, analyzing it that sort of like illuminated what made the scene work for you? I really love the camera, the camera angles, the little subtle tilts in camera that kind of made you sort of fill the shoes of different characters at different points in the scene. So you're not necessarily... Um, just stuck in Tom Cruise's perspective or Henry Cavill's perspective. You're going around and seeing how everybody's experiencing that fight. So that's what I really liked about that breakdown specifically. It yeah. was like, oh, and now the camera switches so that you get a moment to breathe as this guy prepares to um, get back up and punch Tom Cruise in the face. I also really liked that um, the breakdown introduced props and talked about how a simple prop could change the dynamic really quickly. Like you just the guy grabs a pipe um, and tries to attack the two protagonists and sort of uh, changes the power balance a little bit so right. that it's not just two guys pounding on someone. I was curious, Cheryl, in general, are you a, are you like a how did they do that person when you watch a movie or does a movie like Mission Impossible kind of like push you to be? Um, I am. I really like looking into um, the nooks and crannies of filmmaking. I'm not, it doesn't bother me and doesn't throw me out of the whole mystique of it. I still really love um, all of the Mission Impossible movies for different reasons, even though I kind of know how a shot's broken down. Yeah. And I also really like hearing what um, the director, Christopher McQuarrie, was saying, like how he specifically intended the scene to, or not just the scene, but the whole film to play out as voyeuristic, as something that, you're supposed to be experiencing alongside all these characters, that tension, that real sort of, you feel it in your gut kind of tension. Right. So I just like that. Yeah. How do, how do you think he gets that, um, that voyeurism across? He kind of gets really close into the characters, sort of not just perspective of what they're seeing, but also the motivations behind what they're each do, what they're all doing individually. Mm-hmm. It's not just that, um, one protagonist has a goal and it sort of drives the whole story, which is kind of what a lot of the early Mission Impossible movies are like, where right. you just have Tom Cruise, he's doing his thing. There's not much going on with the other characters. You see people pop up and new people introduced, but you don't get that kind of same thread, that anchor. It feels more like you know these people, you know um, that they have motivations outside of kicking butt. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to describe a few that you really like with some of the supporting cast? I really, really enjoy uh, Rebecca Ferguson. Right. Um, in As Ilsa. All of, yeah, Ilsa Faust. And she really has an arc in both Rogue Nation and this movie in Fallout, which I think is sort of uncommon for the women in Mission Impossible because they always kind of pop in, they, you know, kick ass and then they leave. Right. Um, my favorite, my favorite part about let's just rewind a bit to Mission Impossible Two. My favorite part about that movie is Thandie Newton. Yeah, and then she disappears. Like, is she alive? We don't know what happens. Oh, to you her. mean at the end? Yeah, at the end. Like, like yeah, they're walking through the park. You walk away, and then she never comes back. She's never addressed later on. She's right. never. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like the continuity between the older films has been really sort of touch and go. Right. But what I like about the last two that. Macquarie directed was that it was more cohesive it was more you could feel Ilsa's drive and her intentions to protect herself and to figure out her loyalties and all that kind of stuff 
You don't understand what you're involved in. You need to walk away. Please don't make me go through you. She does have a lot of reason to be, you know, troubled in these movies, and that's thing that you don't necessarily see in, I guess, the rest of this action franchise is that kind of weight, that kind of emotional impetus to do something and to yeah. save themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, I want to bring up a quote that you wrote here. You said, um, Mission Impossible Fallout actually breaks all the rules of its own franchise. In the film, there's legitimate dramatic tension that feels as visceral and authentic as the jaw-dropping action sequences. Fallout finds the sweet spot between story and spectacle and is extremely refreshing for it. Um, can you point out some... What, what, what were you thinking about there? Where, 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 where did you see that sweet spot happening? the way those previous movies were set up, I was kind of going into Fallout thinking, I can see this, and there's no need to sort of figure out where it fits in with the rest of them. That's what and I did too, yeah. Yeah, and suddenly it did fit in with one other movie, and I was like, that's really interesting. And and I think the way that it breaks the pattern is by doing that, is by throwing back to old narrative threads that it didn't necessarily had to um, in previous installments. And I think I want to point out Michelle Monaghan in this because she comes back and she has such an integral role again in um, in the movie, which, you know, I really liked her when she was introduced. And I was like, yeah, I, I really wish she would she would have come back for a more substantial part initially. And it just didn't happen. So to bring her back really brought Ethan into focus. But he was also in focus because of Ilsa. And even though it's a weird sort of, People could maybe read that as a weird love triangle. I certainly didn't see it that way because everybody had their own um, set roles in that. And uh, yeah, like it's not a very typical love triangle in my opinion. It didn't feel very like uncomfortable to watch. Like, oh my God, it's the ex-girlfriend. Right. <laughs> and yeah, and the guy, it was just more like they've they've all grown up and they've grown apart, but to have yeah. uh, all these characters come back together again, it just felt like there was so much at stake. It's kind of like a maturity triangle as opposed to a love triangle. Like they all know that like none of them can be together, but like mm -hmm. they, they still all have that bond. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's a bond that saves all of them and keeps them all alive and they can all respect each other for it, which right. I really like. Yeah. And now Mission Impossible 7 can just be full of mutual respect. That'll be the main driving <laughs> narrative force. I think so. I, also I think that sounds cool. Um, so Cheryl, where do you stand on Fallout in general? This was a movie that, uh, when it screened early for critics, got just over the moon praise. Um, how do you, how did you feel about it, whether uh, in the franchise or in terms of contemporary action filmmaking in general? I really enjoyed it, and I actually think I, I'm always the kind of person that doesn't really buy into extreme love for something. Like mm -hmm. I don't, um, I always go in with a little bit of skepticism. Yeah. But when I actually watched it I was like this is you know there's so many things about it that um really topped the the franchise as sort of like it blends in spy spy thriller and action movie perfectly that's one of the things I really loved about it and it sort of throws back to the first Mission Impossible a lot with the setups and um the tech and things like that which I really appreciate because the first one is obviously super iconic and very different from what ends up being but I felt like Fallout um, was something that when they were trying to shift the genre from spy to action that should have been the movie that they made 
because mm. it really sort of seamlessly did that transition. Whereas, you know, like when J.J. Uh, Abrams came in for Mission Impossible 3, it was just a lot of action, a lot of explosion-y things, and a lot of, it didn't feel very weighted. So I really liked the Fallout takes that kind of initial seed that Abrams planted and just makes it so much better. Would you begrudge me, Cheryl, if I ask you for like a ranking? Is it your favorite? Do you want to talk about it in those terms? I can talk about it. Um, okay. It's really good because I just watched all of the movies again and prep for this to make sure I knew what I was talking about. Oh my God. Well, so did we for the podcast. I Maybe I have to get some more takes from you, but yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, I think this one is tied as my favorite. Um, this one and the first movie are my favorites. Cool. And then it would be... Second favorite would be Rogue Nation, and, and then Ghost Protocol, uh, three, and then two. Okay. Yeah. It kind of pains me to put two last because I love John Woo yeah. so much. <laughs> it's just that script was not great. He didn't have a good canvas to put all the, all his awesome action sequences, you know, put a good backdrop for that stuff because right. his action sequences were so good. Like, the last third of that movie was hair-raising. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Let's talk about one a little more, because that's your other favorite, and you mentioned rightfully how different it is. Brian De Palma, of course. Um, what what jumped out to you about that one on rewatch that kind of re-cemented it in a, maybe a tie? I loved that it was a whodunit. I loved that it was just a mystery story, kind of like it didn't have to have the action to make it super tense. It didn't have to you know, didn't have to have all the kicking and punching and all that to make it um, a good story. And mm-hmm. I think that's what I love about it the most. It's a story first and had a lot of good dynamics in there, even though the characters, you know, maybe don't survive. I feel I felt like it was there was a lot of chemistry in that movie that just really worked between all the actors and all the characters. Right. Yes. They really do feel like a team, which is not necessarily something that the series totally gets back for a long time exactly it only got back in the last couple movies that you had a team working with him but the first movie really was like it's not just about ethan it's not just the tom cruise show it's all these other people they have their own jobs to do and they can betray you and do some really bad things but that's why the relationships matter is that oh you don't know who to trust and that's what makes the story so powerful it is crazy how they how it jumps in so fast and they're like listening to John Voight at the table and they're like making fun of his wife's coffee and it's like this is a real team and then it's like immediately (laughs) obliterated exactly it's like and I the thing was when I watch that scene I don't feel like they're forcing it they all feel like so at home in the scene and so um just so lived in that group of people and they're just like oh yeah I trust it I trust these these people to you know save the world or something and then when they don't it's Oh my God! Why? <laughs> it's, it's pretty subversive to immediately undercut the like pretty friendly thing you just set up. Um, well, Cheryl, this was a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank you so much, Chance. I really, really love this chat. 